Mark chapter 2 and verse number 5, the word of the Lord says this. When Jesus saw their faith, this is talking about the four that had ripped open the roof and let down the man sick of the palsy. He said unto the sick of the palsy, he said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? The Bible says, and immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit, he didn't have to hear it. He just knew what they were thinking in their hearts. He said that they so reason within themselves. He said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say unto the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. We never saw it on this fashion. I want to jump back to verse number 8. When Jesus, the Bible says, immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reason within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? And I want to speak on this topic tonight. When God asks a question. When God asks a question. I wonder if you would set your Bibles down, your phones down, and why don't we just lift up our hands, and why don't we just ask God to search our hearts tonight. Would you do that, God? We pray, O oh Lord, that you would have your way in this place. God, speak like only you can speak. Do a work like only you can do. Have your way. Let your will be done. God, touch us. Shake us today. Awaken us, O oh Lord, I pray. O oh God, I pray, Lord, let your anointing fall. God, let your word go forth. God, let it fall upon good ground, O oh Lord. God, we need you. We worship you and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. This is something that God has put in my spirit many years ago. This is, uh, I've spoken on it a few times, especially in youth class and different places, but just when God poses a question, very intriguing to me because as we know, God knows all things. So when God asks a question, he doesn't, it's not because he does not know the answer. So why does he ask a question? When you begin to go through the word of God and you see the different times whenever God asks a question, it's very interesting because when God asks a question, it's not for him to know something, but it's for you and I to realize something. 
When you begin to go through these verses, you find in, uh, the, that we just read in verse number six, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were confused. They, they were questioning in their, in their own hearts. And, and, uh, this man was let down from the top of, of, of the, of the roof. And, and, uh, here this man is lowered right in the front of Jesus. And Jesus says to this man, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. He doesn't say be healed of your palsy, but he says, thy sins be forgiven thee. And they, they did not yet understand who he was. They just thought maybe he was another prophet. They thought he was another, uh, you know, man that God was using to do great miracles. They did not understand that he was God wrapped in flesh. And they were reasoning in their hearts and they say, well, how, you know, this guy is speaking blasphemies because only God can forgive sins. And notice that Jesus knows their confusion. Jesus understood their confusion. Why? Because God knows all things. In fact, uh, Solomon said in 1 Kings chapter 8, Solomon says this, that only God, thou even thou only knowest the hearts of all the children of men. Only God knows our hearts. Only God knows what we are thinking, what, where we are at and who we really are on the inside. But Jesus poses them some questions and it is some questions to help them understand in their confusion. And, you know, a lot of times I, I would read this and I would think that Jesus was trying to, you know, to try to tear them down. But in fact, Jesus was trying to open up their revelation. Jesus was trying to say, he said, he said, thy sin, he says, what is, what's easier? He said, is it easier to just say thy sins be forgiven thee or to look at the sick of the palsy and say, rise, get up out of thy bed and walk? You see, Jesus said, it would be easy for me to sit here and say, thy sins be forgiven thee. And you would have no evidence that I have the power to actually forgive the sins. He says, but I want you to know something that's visible. He said, I'm going to give you a visible understanding. I'm going to give you something that's visible. He said, so that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. He said, I want you to understand that this man is going to get up and walk. And by the end of it all, when you get to verse 12, they were, everybody was amazed and they were all, they were all in, in, in awe and wonder. And they began to say, we have never seen something like this. Because when God asks a question, God is always going to bring more revelation of himself. On the flip side, when the enemy asks a question, you will always find that the enemy will try to confuse you. The world will try to confuse you and the world will try to tear down who God is. They'll try to tear down the word of God. They'll try to tear down the plan of God. You go all the way back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3. You find some interesting things. In Genesis chapter 3, whenever uh, first the temptation comes to man, the Bible says in verse number 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The very first thing he does, the very first words that we find out of the mouth of the enemy is to say, Does God really say that? Is to question the word of God. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the enemy has not changed his tactics one bit. The number one thing that it does is try to get you to question the word of God. But I want somebody to realize today on the onset of this message that the word of God never changes. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but his word's going to stand forever. He is a covenant-keeping God. He's never going to fail you. The world will fail you time and time again. People will change. Politicians will change. Friends will change. Jobs will change. But ladies and gentlemen, something that will never change is our God and the word of our God because it stands forever. It stands forever. And the first thing that he says is, hath God said, questions the word of God. And, and as the, as the Bible begins to tell us, the, the woman said unto him, we may not, or we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent begins again to tear down the word of God. He says, you shall not surely die. For God doth know in that day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. Let me just say this, uh, you know, because this is something that I feel is so important, especially to all of the young people, that the enemy will always paint God and his word as restrictive instead of what it really is, which is protective. He'll say, did God really say that? And you'll say, well, or what did God say? And you'll say, well, this is what God said. And he'll say, well, that's keeping you back. That's holding you back. God knows that whenever you do give in, whenever you do this, that your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be enlightened. You're going to be as God's knowing good and evil. And he will always paint God's word and God as restrictive. And the enemy will always try to confuse you. And never will you, will your eyes be opened and will you be enlightened. But we know the opposite is true. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, he says, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come to remind somebody today, do not buy into the lies of the enemy. I feel like there's a fight today in somebody's spirit. There's a fight today in somebody's mind. Do not buy into this world and what this world is trying to sell. This world has nothing to offer you. This world has nothing to offer you. He said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. He said, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You got to understand, our God knows all things. And we can trust in our God. We can trust in who he is and what he says and what he does. And the very first question that God asks comes in this story. The very first thing that God asks that goes on in verse 6. It says, uh, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the gardens. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? I always found this interesting. 
because God knew exactly where he was. God said, where are you? Adam, where are you? It wasn't because he was searching for Adam, but because he needed Adam to realize where he was. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first question that I feel like God asks to every single person. And we got to constantly ask ourselves the same question, where am I? Where am I at? Can you hear the voice of God asking the rhetorical question, where are you? Maybe you're not where you're supposed to be in God. Maybe it, we constantly have to constantly look at ourselves, reevaluate where we're at, look at ourselves in the mirror and, and see where we're at. And are, are we where we are supposed to be? If we're not careful, we can fall into this trap. Adam and Eve, they were, they had made their mistake. We know their mistake. They've made it, but now they're trying to cover up their sins. They're trying to cover up their, their mistakes. They're trying to hide from the presence of God. And, 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 and God's just asking them, where are you? I asked somebody today, are you where you need to be? Is there things in your life that maybe you have hidden? Are you hiding from something? That God is trying to tell you to do. Are you running from God? Sometimes we drift off and we don't even realize. But we've got to take a real look at where we are at. We've got to take a time out and, and look and, and say, what am I doing? Am I doing the right thing or the wrong thing? What needs to change? And, 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 and we, we can justify ourselves so good. I mean, as soon as they begin to come back to the presence of God, I'm not going to read it, but they begin to make excuses after excuses. Adam said, it was that woman that you gave me that did all this. You know, why are you asking where I'm at? I mean, people just, be, they, we just, we pass the blame over and over and over again because we don't really understand the nature of God. God was not asking them, where are you? Because he wanted to destroy them. God wanted to reconcile them. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know something about God. God sees exactly where you're at. But I want to know, do you see where you're at? Do you know where you're at? Do you know what situation that you're in? I'm telling you, God stands with arms wide open asking the question, where are you? He knows where you're at. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs that are on your head. God knows exactly where each and every one of us are at. But we've got to realize, we've got to realize where are, we are at. So I ask you tonight, where are you? I know you're in the house of God, but where are you? Where are you in your walk with God? Are you where you need to be? Are you where God's calling you? Where, where are you tonight? Uh, there, there's times I know we can come into the house of God. We can be here physically, but we're miles and miles away. We're so far removed. Jesus said, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We can be in that place. We can be in that situation. But God asks the question, where are you at? Where are you at? And it's a question that you and I have to answer about ourselves. The second question that I've always found so interesting, Pastor even referenced it uh, last Sunday morning. But it's found in Exodus chapter 4 and verse number, uh, in Exodus chapter 4. I want to start in verse number 1 and read this, this passage to you. The Bible says this, and Moses said that they will not believe me. This is 
This is Moses standing at the burning bush, getting the call from God to go to Egypt and say, let God's people go. And Moses answered and said, like I'm sure we all would think, but behold, they will not believe me. They will not hearken unto my voice, for they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, what is in thine hand? Ladies and gentlemen, this has always stuck out to me in the word of God. Because here's one thing you've got to understand. And here's one thing God was trying to get Moses to understand. Moses was saying, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to know that you sent me. I don't have, I don't have everything it takes. You can keep on reading. And, and uh, you know, the, the Lord, uh, you know, he, he, you can keep on reading. He said, cast, ca-, he said, I, I have a rod in my hand. He said, cast it on the ground. He cast it on the ground. It became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. I'd do the same thing. The Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand again. That that they might believe, verse 5, that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, put thine hand into thy bosom. And when he put his hand into his bosom, when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous. As snow, And he said, put thy hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it back out of his bosom. And he said, behold, it turned again as his other flesh. And it came to pass, and it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee also, these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take water out of the river and pour it upon the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become as blood upon the dry land. And Moses, you would have thought, would have been like, okay, God, let's do this. But Moses, just like, just like us, said unto the Lord, O Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither here to fore. Nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, who hath made man's mouth? Who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seen or blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. This all stems from Moses standing there getting a call from God. Moses has this call, this this plead from God, this destiny, if you will, that God has for him. And Moses says, God, they won't believe me. And God asks a question. He said, what's in your hand? Because a lot of times what we do is we look at what we don't have. We look at what we don't have. We look at all the things we, I, I, I can't speak right. I'm too old. I can't, I can't do it. They're not going to believe me. You know, I, I don't, I don't know how this is going to happen. And God's saying what is already in your hand is going to be enough. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we just got to realize what God has already given us. It's a trick of the enemy and it's a, it's, it always has been that, that we look at what we don't have to so much to the point that we forget about what we do have. 
We constantly look over the fence and we see, oh, we don't have this and I don't have that. And I don't, I don't have this talent. I don't have this ability. And it paralyzes us from doing what God has really called us to do. When we don't have to be good enough, we just have to give him what's already in our hand. God does not expect you to give something that he has not already given you. God does not expect you, and I'm telling you, we, we need to be a giving people, and I know we are. We are a giving church, and I know next, next Sunday is, is the biggest Sunday of the year for us when it comes to giving, where we make our pledges for 2023, and you may feel like, well, God, I don't have, I don't have a lot. What, what, what am I, what, what is this gonna be in the bucket? You know, what, what, what do I really have to offer? And God doesn't, God doesn't need you to give what the person next to you is giving. God doesn't need you to do what the person next to you is doing. God needs you to look what's in your hand and say, God, how can I use what you put in my hand to do the work that you've called me to do? We come against the lie. We come against every excuse. Every I'm telling you, we, as humans, we fight this so much. To the point where we can be standing in front of a burning bush that is burning but not consumed. We can just drop a rod and it becomes a snake and pick it back up and it becomes a rod again. And we still say, how are you going to do this, God? Ladies and gentlemen, we need to trust in God. Trust in who he is. Trust in what he's done. Do not be paralyzed by fear in this hour. Do not be paralyzed by what you do not have, but use what you do have to the glory and the praise of God. Because God will tell you, you have everything that you need. While the enemy or the world, or even friends that don't know any better, will say you don't have enough. You don't have what it takes. They even went before Saul and said, Saul, I can fight the giant. He said, you're just a boy. You know, what are you going to do, David? How are you going to do this? This guy has been a warrior since he was your age. How are you going to defeat this giant? He's like, well, I've taken care of a bear and I've taken care of a lion and and he, he began to try to convince Saul. And Saul, Saul said, okay, maybe, maybe you can do this. He said, but you need to take my armor with you as well. And David tried to put on the armor of Saul because that's what he was told he needed to win the battle. But as he began to get it on, it just didn't fit right. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't his armor. I mean, Saul was head and shoulders, uh, you know, above everybody else. Saul was tall, and, you know, and, and, and David, it just didn't fit right. And David just had to come to the realization that what's in my hand is already good enough. You would think to defeat the giant, you would need a giant-sized sword. You would think you would need a giant-sized spear, that you would need years of experience to defeat the giant that's coming against the, the armies of the living God. But let me tell you something. God can use anybody that just says, I'm going to take what you put in my hand, and I'm going to say, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And in the name of Jesus, you go forward and do what you can do. And guess what? The giant-sized sword that you need, the giant has it. You just go pick it up. God's provided everything that you need. God's given you everything that you need. 
Stop looking at what you don't have and start looking at what you do have. What is in your hand? What is in your hand? God's given each and every one of us. You know the story about the little boy who had the five loaves and two fishes. Pastor just preached about it. That, that, that little boy could have said, this is not going to feed everybody, so I might as well just keep it for myself. What I know about the Bible isn't going to help anybody, so I might as well just keep my mouth shut. What I have to offer the church isn't, isn't, isn't much, so I might as well not even bother. It's a trick of the enemy. Why? Because God, in the hands of God, anything is possible. All you got to do is just use what's in your hand. All you got to do is say, God, I'm going to do it. And, and that five loaves and two fish, it can be multiplied to feed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. If all you have is a little bit, let me tell you, you have enough. That's why he said, if you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. God is not asking you to be the best. God is asking you to give your best. We will never be the best. We're never worthy. There is none good but God. There is none worthy but God. But God is asking us. God is saying, first of all, where are you? Do you know where you're at? And then he's saying, what's in your hand? I can use you for my kingdom. I can use you for my plan. Question number three that I found so interesting in the word of God. There's many more that we could talk about, but. For the sake of time, Matthew 16 and verse 13, the Bible says this. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then he asked the real question. He said, but whom do ye say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus, look at, look at Jesus' response. Because Jesus was saying, Do you know who I am? Do you really understand who I am? I know people, other people are saying this. Other people are saying, like, I'm like one of the prophets. I'm, like, I'm just another man. But have, have you gotten the revelation of who I am? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. You see, every time God asks a question, it's to give you more revelation of who he is. Every time he asked a question, it was to give you more revelation of his love, of his power, and of his plan. And he says, and I say unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, I feel God asking you and I that same question today. Who do you say that I am? We're not just serving one of many gods. We're not just serving one of a trinity. We're not, we're not just serving, you know, one in, in the, in the, in the, in the plethora of gods of the world, but we are serving the only God. 
you have to come to the understanding that Jesus is everything. Jesus has it all. When you say Jesus, you say it all. Jesus is saying, who do you say that I am? And when Simon understood who Jesus was, he said, you're blessed. He said, you are blessed, Simon Barjona. This is a revelation from God. He said, and I'm going to build my church upon this understanding. He said, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against this understanding. You've got to get it down in your spirit about who God is. When you get that, it doesn't matter what hell throws at you. It doesn't matter what this world may be doing. It doesn't matter what you may be facing. But if you get that understanding, I know who I serve. And I know my God is for me, not against me. Let me tell you something. There will be a fire that's ignited inside of you that will rise up. And there's a blessing that comes when you understand this is who He is. I'm not asking you to regurgitate something that you've heard from this pulpit. I'm not asking you to tell me what your parents taught you. What somebody else has taught you. But I want to know who do you, down in your spirit, from the depths of your soul, who do you say that I am? God is wanting us to ask the question, who do we serve? If we really believe it, do we really believe what we're saying? Do when we sing, you are the covenant keeping God, do we really mean that we believe he is the covenant keeping God? When we say these things, do we really mean it or do, do we just say it with our lips, but our heart is far from him? You got to say, who do you say that I am? And he said, Simon, because you know who I am, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It comes with the understanding of knowing who Jesus is. That's why I'm telling you, anytime you begin to preach and speak about Jesus, you begin to say the name of Jesus, something begins to happen. Things begin to shake. Things begin to break. The Spirit of God begins to move. Why? Because you're declaring who He is. And with your declaring and with your understanding of who God is, let me tell you, there is a power that comes with that. There is a witness that comes with that. There's a witness of the Spirit of God. There's a witness of the power of God. Why? Because God wants to reveal himself to us. Every time God asks a question, it's to counter the confusion in our minds. Where are you? You think you're doing okay, but maybe you're not doing okay. Maybe you, maybe, maybe there's another level for you in God. What's in your hand? Stop looking around. Do you know who you serve? Do you know who you serve? We got to get like Joshua that says, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me, in my house, we shall serve the Lord. We make a decision. We, we make a, we make a solid decision to say, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm going to stand on the plan of God because I know my God has the answer to every question.
And when God asks a question, God wants to reveal more and more of himself to you. Would you stand? Jesus. God, I truly believe, wants to show you who he is tonight. I was talking to Brother Barry two Sunday nights ago. We had prayer and praying for him. And he told us about how, you know, he just came down and said, what, 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 what would you like for us to pray with you about? And he said, just pray for anything. So we just said, all right, we'll pray for anything. He said, I go to, I go to work the next day. He said, and I can't read the bulletin board. He said, and I go sit down in my, he said, and I can see it. Put my glasses back down. He said, I can't see it. He said, I always have to use these every day. He said, but now he said, God touched my eyes. I wasn't even looking for it. That happened just two Sunday nights ago. And I just couldn't get away from that, from that testimony. You know, sometimes we come to church and we don't even know what we need. We don't even know what God has in store for us. But sometimes God just wants to open up our eyes. God just wants to reveal himself a little bit more to you tonight. You think you know the depths of God. There is no end to his greatness. There's no searching of his power. There's, there's no end to our God. And so when you get a revelation of God, when you, when you get a revelation of just how powerful God is, you can be like David and say, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. You can get that question from, from God like Ezekiel did that said, can these dry bones live? He said, God, you know. <laughs> he said, speak to the bones. Speak to the wind. Maybe you have a need in your life. I hear God asking the question, can I save your child? Can I heal your body? Do you believe God can do it? Can you be delivered from that addiction tonight? I feel God asking you this question because it's not a question if God can. God can do it. But it's a question if we believe it. And if we can answer the question to say yes. When I call on Jesus, I'm calling on the one that created heaven and earth. That can do anything. And that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. I say to the sick of the poly, rise up and be healed. I feel like tonight God wants to do some miracles in the house. I don't know what you came in needing today, but this wasn't even in my notes. I just feel it so strong in the Holy Ghost right now. God's come to do a miracle in the house. Something that you've just put on the table. Something you've just, you, you just thought is, is too far gone, too hard for God. It's time to pull it back out again. God's saying, do you really think I can do that? Do you believe that I can do that? I have the power, but I need you to see it tonight. I wonder if you could come to this altar today with whatever situation you may have and just say, God, open up my eyes. God, I believe you can do it. God, help thou my unbelief. I believe, God, but help thou my unbelief. Would you come tonight? Would you just begin to lift up His name? God, I believe you can do every situation. God, I believe you are the healer.
You're the deliverer. You're the creator. You're the provider. You can make a way where there seems to be no way. Oh, God. Come on, let God restore your faith. Let God solidify who He is in your life. Come on, give Him everything you've got. Let go of that fear that's holding you back from doing the work of God. Lay it down and say, God, I don't have much to give you, but I give you everything that's in my hand. I give you everything, Jesus. Come on, that's it. The miracle is going to come because God's going to show Himself in your situation. Come on, He's going to help you to defeat the giant that is in your life. Come on, you just do what you know to do. You just trust Him when you don't understand. You just believe when it doesn't seem like anything can happen. Yeah, I love us.